I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Are you searching for the ultimate transparent Nashville drive tone but have limited pedal board real estate and a limited pedal budget? Well, Nobels have you covered because the new Nobels ODR Mini is a mini pedal version of the world famous Nobels ODR One for less than £70. Delivering everything from pushed clean amp tone to game field stacks, the Nobels ODR has been a hidden gem in the world of guitar overdrive since its invention in 1993. This pedal is guaranteed to be a big part of your sound, but a small part of your pedal board. Available from all good guitar shops or visit nobels.de for more info. Check out Reverend Guitar's incredible range of artist signature models. With nearly as many artist line guitars as they do in their standard range, there is something for every type of player. The Greg Koch signature Gristlemaster and the Pete Anderson Eastsider T are both examples of wonderful twists on a classic T-style guitar. The Pete Anderson offers a more traditional appearance but with plenty of hot rodding going on under the hood. Modifications include a chambered body, Stainless steel saddles, compound radius fretboard from 10 to 14 inches, embossed knobs, and a push-pull face switch for loads of tonal options. Whilst the Greg Koch has the very modern Fishman Fluence pickups and a gorgeous non-traditional raised center ridge. These subtle alterations result in an incredibly cool looking to die for blend of retro and modern. Both guitars offer different but wonderful T-style alternatives at Reverend's usual fantastic price point. Check them out, along with the rest of Reverend's substantial range of guitars and basses at reverendguitars.com. I vit a itcha na guitar nerds. Just MP, a nimgos pod, a chem Joe Branton, I doi un chayum do, my yeah, Matt Knight, Hammy, Mark Packham. 267 episodes is too much. I J Cross. Hi. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Pam. And welcome to your. Uh, your charming, wonderful uh, Polish edition of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Ha <laughs> ha! That's two languages down. 
How many, <laughs> how many left to go? Yeah. I don't know. How many languages are there? A lot. 267. Well, then I guess we will finish this in 267 episodes time. We were just talking about how great it is that when you search for guitar in podcasts in uh, Spotify, that Guitar Nerds comes up second. Um, I'm wondering what having non-English language introductions is going to do to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe Branton, apparently they they estimate there are 6,500 uh, languages spoken today. Okay. None of which were one of the ones that Joe just did on the intro. <laughs> why, why, don't, why don't we do it in uh, Busu, which is only spoken by eight people worldwide. Wow. Well, if we can get in contact with one of them and get a translation, oh, this is assuming they speak listener. another language. No, it's a podcast listener. What? It's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, uh, can you do one in Simlish? Is that possible? What's, <laughs> what's Simlish? Uh, it is the language Sim- spoken Sim- in Sim- the Sim- popular Sim- computer game The Sims. Ah, uh, yes. Sim- so I don't know if you've seen, but um, there is a fella whose name I've now forgotten who's been doing a live talk show in Animal Crossing. I'm just wondering whether Brilliant. you know we can make that our live streamed offering. Should we do the Guitar Nerds podcast in Animal Crossing? Uh, on a similar note, I saw something on the internet this week about people who, like a small tech company, who got bored of doing their meetings on Zoom, so they started doing them on Red Dead Redemption. Nice. <laughs> they, they, they were sitting around a campfire, like uh, and like all uh, all logged into Red Dead Live or whatever, and that's how they did their meetings. That's brilliant. Oh, that's an excellent I mean, idea. Maybe we could start our own platform that, like, an RPG of guitar nerds. <laughs> where people could join and talk and you could have your own avatar you know with like a guitar strapped to their back and I could be like that armor. guy in uh, guy in Skyrim it would be like I used to be an adventurer like you until I had to do this stupid podcast every week <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. you've done this stupid podcast every week for seven years Mark yeah. I'm not really sure I don't even remember what life was like before this podcast it's uh, I feel like ago. I've been locked down into doing a podcast for so, well, seven years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. But le- legally, you are bound to do this now as well. So uh, there's there's no way out, I'm afraid. Um, not without hefty uh, sort of fines should you miss a week, uh, as we as we all know. Anyway, um, this is the part of the podcast where I introduce our new patrons. So welcome, Gareth Bird, Sam Brooksby, Richard Kendall, Robert Crawford, and Grumpy Mike, uh, who have all joined the podcast at various tiers. So welcome and thank you for becoming a patron. You too, listener, can become a patron of the Guitar Nerds podcast at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Where there's uh, loads of awesome new stuff going up every week. This last week we finished, me and Matt finished our series, The Pedals That Made Us, where we were recounting our adventures over the last 20 years in effects pedals. And this week will be the first episode in a new solo series by Mark Packham um, called Gear There and Everywhere, where you're recounting the Beatles' evolution of equipment. Sort of. It's sort of little stories about like famous and not so famous Beatles bits of equipment um, so yeah this week on episode one we're talking about the uh, two 61 Sonic Blue strats that are used uh, primarily 
uh, in the kind of mid 60s period. Um, yeah, the, the, it kind of covers how they got them, why they needed them, what they're used on, what they, what did they sound like, uh, and where they are now. Oh, that's very cool. I, I always thought those guitars were especially um, cool and underrated Beatles instruments. Mark, have you talked about your uh, Beatles discography playthrough that you're currently... Uh, uh, did we talk about that? I can't the, remember the if we talked. I don't think we did, because you I... told me about it over text. So I'm just basically, I'm going through a bit of a Beatles phase, which is, you know... Pretty which is happen- what lasted 30 years yeah it happens all the uh, <laughs> yeah. happens all the time um but yeah obviously i'm doing the the podcast but yeah for the last what three or four weeks i've been listening to a podcast on spotify that is every song written by the beatles in order before and after they were the beatles so yeah i'm up to i'm some four weeks in hang on let me check I'm up to 1996, I think. Oh, that sounds uh, like yeah. a dark time period. Maybe through the 80s, though. Well, i tell you what, actually, Matt. Do you know what, what's actually worse? It, hang on, I'm trying to find out which year I'm on, because I've just started uh, Standing Stone by Paul McCartney, which is a classical album. Um, oh, his, his no. His second original music classical album. Uh, 1997, October 97, that's where I'm up to. Um, so, yeah, Matt, to go back to your... Uh, previous statement the 80s actually aren't as bad as you think the once you get to something like uh tug of war by paul mccartney what year is that i'm guessing it's probably like 86 or something oh no it's 1982 that's actually all right um and also a caveat to this none of the 80s stuff by ringo Starr is on spotify so I can't listen to that, and that's probably a saving <laughs> grace for the 80s. Um, the stuff that's really bad is the mid-70s onwards, I would say. Like, Why is that? What made, what so made that? You've got, because that was an incredible time period for music outside of the Beatles. Well, well I mean, prim- primarily, the only good albums, I would say, from the 70s are um, Paul McCartney... Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. No, I'm talking about the Beatles specifically. Oh. <laughs> um, so you've got... I mean, it, let's go back to the start of the decade. So you've got John Lennon's... In fact, this isn't even the 70s. This is the late 60s. You've got one, two, three experimental noise albums by John Lennon. God, um, they sound great. They sound absolutely they, brilliant. So you've oh, got... Nine, they're all great. You've got 1968's Unfinished Music Number 1, Two Virgins. You've got 1969's Unfinished Music Number 2, Life of the Lions, and then The Wedding Album. Now, alongside those, you've also got the two instrumental noise albums by George Harrison, uh, which are called Wonder Wall Music and electronic sound i um, listened to one of them when you recommended it to yeah me, that, and you were like this is so awful you're gonna really like it and i did like it i liked it a lot actually so yeah. i might just disregard anything from any of the eras that you say is good, i am and I, yeah I, am. I might just listen to the 70s stuff so after that uh yeah i mean basically you've got a couple of good albums well, not you've got like one or two good albums by all of them. So John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band is a good album. Uh, Paul McCartney's uh, Ram is good. And then wait, Sun- wait, wait, is that the one? Because it's not Paul McCartney by this point. It's William Shears Campbell. But is this the point where? <laughs> no. Is this the one where there are, <laughs> there's a toy car on the front? 
Or the red dots on the front. No, that's the uh, first solo album, McCartney, right. McCartney, which is pretty good, but it's got a lot of filler. Um, but a yeah. lot of that cover's got a lot of hidden meaning in it about the the death of Paul McCartney and his replacement, sure. William Mark, Shears. Sure. Have you got to Strawberries Ocean Ships Forest yet? Yeah, the I've gone. I've ambient gone, techno album by the Fireman, which I've is gone, Paul McCartney. I've gone past that. That's the first Fireman album, which I think is before the anthology. So I think it's Wait, um, what is Fireman. It's Paul McCartney and a producer who's now... And Youth, the producer, uh, have a band called The Fireman. Uh, They had an album called, yeah, Strawberries, Oceans, Ships, Forest, uh, which is... I can't find what year that is. Hang on, let's have a look. Uh, I'm just... I'm I'm on it right now. It's 1993. Yeah. But but Youth was in Killing Joke. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. But he's just a he's a producer, um, so he's done a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, we're we're getting uh, far off the track. What I will say is, there's some really good stuff at the start of the seventies. By the mid seventies, you start getting things like Mind Games and Walls and Bridges by John Lennon, which are bad. You also George Harrison has released some very bad stuff. Uh, I would suggest that even the ones that people like are not that good. Uh, and there's also some Paul McCartney tat as well. In fact, the only person who's doing you know, fairly consistently good stuff at the beginning of the 70s is Ringo Starr because he just goes, look, I'm just going to do a load of cover versions of music that your granny would like. Here it is. I've got a really good ba- band behind me, like a big band. I can't <laughs> sing that well, but I'll give it my best go. If you want to listen to this, it's, it, the, the music that he was putting out, I would say, is not dissimilar to that of Chaz and Dave uh, at the beginning of the 70s. It's, Love if, it. If that's what you're into, then I would suggest give Ringo a chance. Wow, wow. That that is almost definitely the worst advice on listening to post Beatles Beatles I have ever heard. And you heard it here first. I'll keep you what updated. Was the, what was the, the movie that you you text me about a, a John Lennon and Yoko Ono movie and I don't think we should read out the description on the podcast, but you should point people towards no. the Wikipedia page. Uh, when on. they're like, you know, not at work or on a work computer or anything. Uh, I just need to Google John Lennon, L- Yoko Ono art film. Uh, it's called Self Portrait. If you want yeah, to, okay. uh, if you want a real deep dive, just investigate John Lennon, Yoko Ono's film Self Portrait. I cannot stress this highly enough. Do not look at this Wikipedia page at work. Do yeah. not look at this Wikipedia page whilst your children are around, but definitely do look at this Wikipedia page because the description is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, it's one of those things where if a pop star were to do it now, you would think it would be a scandal, I would say. It yeah, would be a yeah, big definitely. thing. But because the 60s was what it was, uh, it's, you know, it's another thing entirely. I see. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, Joe, Sorry, Joe's just, on there now. He's on the. Yeah, he's reading I'm on it there now. now. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's just ordered the DVD. I've just, yeah, I've just got it. I just got it on VHS. There's something more seedy about VHS, so I'm going to get it on that. Anyway, uh, this month we're also uh, we need to mention that we are teaming up with Ashdown to bring you a, uh, a giveaway, a double giveaway, in fact. Um, so, listener, you have the chance to win uh, for two two separate listeners to win. Um, the new Ashdown floor-mounted pedal-based amplifiers, the Newt and the Ant, the two, uh, the the guitar and the bass, two hundred watt um, pedal board based pedal board based amplifier. So all you've got to do to win that is head over to either our Facebook or our Instagram, find the entry post. And follow the steps on there to enter. Um, the competition's open worldwide, and we'll be announcing the winner right here on the podcast on 
the 10th of June. We record two days in advance from release, so you'll have until the 8th of June um, to enter. Uh, but yes, that's going to be exciting. Two absolutely fantastic products. This week I've been... I was running the straight in, into a two twelve cab, the Ashdown Newt, uh, which whilst it's it's an amp in its own right, as in it has you know uh, a, a three band EQ, it's just a master output, so it's just a perfectly clean two hundred watt platform. I was running the um, Origin Effects uh, Revival Drive Compact into the front of that and using it more as a, a as a preamp. Uh, as sort of the preamp to the um, uh, to the new, and it sounded absolutely fantastic. I think the the Ashdown New is one of those products that, depending on the rest of your setup, can really bring to life some some tasteful preamps uh, that you have to kind of make your own really custom sounding, you know, amplifier without having any of the colouring that might come with a with a with a regular amp. Uh, you can really kind of make your own thing. It's very cool. Um, so yes, go and go and enter the competition and uh, and see if you win. It's, I guess it's next week, isn't it? Is it next week or the week after? I don't know. You run the competitions. <laughs> I, can't, I've lost I don't know when it is. Tenth of June is two week weeks up. time. Two weeks time. Two yeah. weeks. Two oh, two weeks time. My goodness, how about that? Ugh. Well, yes. I've lost all uh, sense of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Matt Knight. Speaking of time you've been getting up very early um because you've been starring in your own little internet episodes uh yes yes uh <laughs> i was just i was just like that does does that sound good um yeah so i'm um i'm doing a series of live live streams with boss president yoshi ikigami um we decided to i think yoshi kind of decided there's a lot of good stories to tell and you know i think a lot of people like you've all met him you know he's an awesome he's an awesome guy and he's been with roland since 1976 i think maybe earlier than that it might be 1975 um so you know roland was only i think about three years old when he started um and we wanted to basically do a short live stream every day um every week that was only like 10 or 15 minutes. It was answering questions that people could put on the Facebook page, the boss um, Facebook page. And uh, then Yoshi's also going to tell some stories about stuff that he's engineered. I mean, I didn't realize that he engineered boss's first DSP chip. Like the, the chip that basically kind of ended up being in pretty much every thing they made after that that was like the reverb the reverb algorithms that yoshi created in 19 i think he said 1980 something were like the reverb algorithms that they were still using today so in the in the like rv yeah yeah, five and rv six yeah yeah but obviously they're obviously the processors have got but the algorithm itself is obviously the same um, algorithm, but also the fact that one thing we, we touched upon very briefly was that Yoshi created the SDD SDE three thousand, which was a rack delay that was used by loads of um, session people in in the eighties. That ended up having a particular chip in it that turned out would fit in a compact, which made the DD two, which was the first ever digital delay pedal. Um, so Yoshi, in part, is responsible for digital delay pedals. 
which is wow. a really bizarre thought because that's just the thing that we're used to now. Um, but yeah, it, it was never a thing before. And then he made that rack unit and that led on to the, the compact. So we're sort of discussing a bit of that, um, sort of getting used to talking on camera at crazy early times in the morning. I have to get up at 6.30. Um, it's it's going to be roughly about 7.30 UK time every Wednesday on Facebook. Um, but they'll be archived onto Facebook afterwards. I'm going to start asking you like really complicated questions because I know that you've we, we already got we already early. Got, we already got some live. Um, so the main thing is because um, we're doing in such a short space of time, we're putting up the theme at the end of the that week's episode for the following week. So this week we're doing stuff on DS1 and some of the early compacts. Um, I think we're going to do a different theme every week. And then, yeah, Yoshi's going to add some stuff in as well. So definitely a good chance if you're up that early to log in. If not, you can watch it. Um, You can watch it later on. But if you've got questions uh, that you might want answering, head over to the the Boss Facebook page and uh, ask some questions. And I will be asking them directly to Yoshi. So we'll be getting some, some pretty solid answers from the man at the top. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good fun, and he Yoshi has just got some crazy stories. And he's I mean, he just he just knows everyone, doesn't he? He does. He once he once pulled out his his phone. We were talking, and it was a picture of him with Dave Navarro. <laughs> I was like, "When did you meet Dave Navarro?" It's like mid nineties at some point. I'm nice. just like, because he was <laughs> boss president. He he became boss president about six years ago. Um, before that, he was head of production. And then before that, he was boss president again. Previously. Previously. Um, and um, Previously yeah, but that, that's the crazy thing. You know, he started as just, uh, he worked on the production line, built Space Echoes, built the early Roland guitar synths. Um, and then taught, basically then worked as an engineer, but they wouldn't let him move to engineering. He had to teach himself at night um by working with the engineers in overtime so he taught himself to be an engineer while working in the like uh production department and then got assigned a desk and they were like oh you can move over to engineering and that's how he became an engineer wow so it's you know it's a it's a crazy story so it's definitely hopefully we'll be able to get a few more of those sort of um you know nuggets of awesome information out of him over the the next few weeks but it's something that we're going to run well, indefinitely for the time being, I think. Um, so definitely worth asking your questions on there. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. I'm just going to consistently ask when the BED1 is coming out. <laughs> BED1. We did see that. Didn't someone post, post in the group or Jay? Did you send a text to someone who'd done some uh, yeah, pedal? Yeah, I, I saw on the uh, the Mattaverse Instagram page, someone has made a, a bedspread or a, a duvet or a comforter or something that is just a picture of someone's pedal board and there there was a uh, a matverse air trash i think on there plus a bunch of like other cool stuff i mean it was it was a, a real who's who of uh of effects pedals on this uh this person's bedspread and yeah i sent it over to the guitar and group chat just being like matty someone's someone's getting one step closer to that bed one it's uh you know if if boss wants to consider themselves the kind of you know conversation mover the the real game changer you're really running out of time to bring this i know out. i know i might just have to stitch it myself i'll have to learn how to sew <laughs> that'd be great um, you should do that now, uh, now this this week, um, I took uh, delivery of um, 
or last week, I took delivery of a lovely amplifier. The uh, the winner of um, was it the winner? One of the winners of Gear of the Year 2019. One of the runners up for Gear of the Year 2019. The Fender Tone Master Twin Reverb, and um, and and so this is the first time I've I've got to actually sit down with it, you know, on its own. Because very much when we do the Gear Gear of the Year stuff. You know, Jay had the amplifier for us all to try, but it's been lovely getting to have some quality time with this amplifier. I, I mean, this is for a thousand pounds. This is like the best thousand pounds you can spend on an amplifier. This thing is fantastically good. I am completely whilst on gear of the year. I was took some real convincing about a digital version of the legendary twin because weight is not a thing. That, that actually matters um but <laughs> this is this is an incredible amp so the thing is since i've been recording at home i've been trying lots of different things um uh over the over the last few weeks to record some guitar stuff now i'm fine with bass stuff i have a tried and tested way of of recording bass i know it's going to sound good and i know i can set it up easily every time but for guitar i've been i've been struggling to replicate uh the just a, a Fender Blues Junior with the reverb tank uh, sort of maxed out, um, and just run and and you know running that loud enough for it to work. And I can't really do that at home. Um, you know, I've I've done it a little bit in the day, but I really I want to just be able to record into the small hours, and I can't do that um, with a with a Blues Junior at an appropriate volume. But of course, the Fender Twin Reverb. Um, sounds fantastic. Like has that wonderful, gorgeous sort of fendery reverb, and has direct recording in the back with built-in um, IR cab sims, and you get a choice of a couple of them. So it's kind of a complete all-in-one solution. It's your this is your Fender live amplifier, but also your absolute recording at home. I appreciate it's very big, but for something that absolutely sounds every bit as good as a loud cranked amplifier, I think this thing's great. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of blown away by it when we had it for Gear of the Year. I mean, it basically is, uh, you know, as we talked about at the time, it's a t- it's for people who want a twin, um, but they don't want to carry around a incredibly heavy twin yeah. um and yeah. you know there's i think there's always going to be a time and a place for for an amp like that you know the, the twin you know back in the day uh, i used to sell loads of them um and i think really the kind of trend towards like smaller amps has been primarily because of a weight thing uh you know people that still gig you know i think you know having an amp that's a bit bigger is not a problem it's really is just the carting it around and as much as you say joe weight isn't a thing i think for a lot of people it actually is um but yeah i mean there's nothing like a twin you know you can turn them up super loud and they've got a very distinct sound if you can do that with something that you can actually lift uh without needing some sort of like open back truck to uh to cart it around um then yeah i mean i'm all in for me it's just been you know it- it, I know it seems like a weird thing because you can do this with a with a with a plug-in, but for me, one of the big advantages of this has been the the home recording side of it. It actually sounding as good as it does um, direct in is is kind of a big thing. I, I've you- been I've been messing around with with so much stuff with like Helix stuff. I've bought plugins and and really tried to sort of recreate 
the sort of loud mic'd sound of of my blues junior and i just i haven't been able to come close um and this this really you know when you um when you go direct out does it cut the internal speaker it can do yeah okay so you can have both because i think that's that's always the problem for me and that's why i like things like um you know the tone master is I just want to hear the sound of it through a cab. Yeah, I just I can't, I can't... Stand listening to guitar through my monitors. Yeah, I, can't, it, it, I just can't yeah, get any yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because obviously I'm I'm trying to do a bit more recording and understand and do a bit more research into how people do it and and you know messing around with a few things myself because I've never really done it. Um, and the guys on that pedal show are doing a similar thing, and they were talking in a blog this week about. I think Mick was saying that he literally just can't play guitar through monitors and i feel the same it's like i love the the sound of it my i've got a gt1000 at home at the moment through the monitors and i'm like it you know it feels good and it sounds good but i'm like i'd much rather just plug it into the effects loop return of like my olsen amp and hear it through a cab and then just mic the cab up it's exactly that that's exactly the problem that that i was having with anything that i was running and just hearing it in the monitors my guitar playing is so it is so dynamics dependent that just not being able to, you know, not being able to really hear that through the monitors and it always, everything sounds weird and subby through monitors when you're recording in. Um, it does to me in my setup. So having this, this ability to hear it through an app, obviously, you know, that that's, that's something that I do have to sacrifice if I'm recording late at night. But also uh, having the, you know, the, the, vari- the varied, the varied, this attenuation uh, on the back is is very very handy. I've never been so um, thankful for being able to change like the output power on something since you know since being sort of tied up with the with the the output power of a blues junior sort of for for home yeah, use. Yeah, I think um, and you know as we said on on Gear of the Year, the, the great thing is is it's just a twin. It's like they haven't nothing's been changed. It feels the same. It sounds the same. It responds the same. It is just lighter, and I think that's just such that's just a great thing about it. The fact that you can attenuate it is amazing. Obviously, twins are known for ridiculous high headroom anyway, but it's just yeah. it just feels the same as a normal twin. I think that's what's so you know it's, they've not tried to mess around with a winning formula. I think. Introducing possibly the ultimate recording solution for guitarists everywhere, the Two Notes Captor X. Playing your tube amp in a great sounding room with an exceptional choice of perfectly matched speaker cabinet and microphones is truly joyous and an unparalleled experience. The Torpedo Captor X is for tube amp lovers who crave this every time they play, no matter the environment. Play your tube amp at its sweet spot and control your volume with the attenuator anywhere. You can even enjoy your 100 watt rig in silence with an immersive headphone experience. Fed up with lifting heavy cabinets, inconsistent sound and stage volume issues, go direct to the PA and audio interface with studio grade cabinet simulations. Wish to explore a legendary backline of speaker cabinets and microphones? Pair Torpedo Captor X with your phone, tablet or computer using Torpedo Remote. No other compact reactive load box offers such universal control of the miking chain. And with dual miking per cabinet, you may never need to use a real mic again. Check out the Two Notes Torpedo Captor X at 
2-notes.com. Guitar Nerds is brought to you in association with Faith Guitars. Based right here in the UK, Faith Guitars are designed by British guitar luthier Patrick James Eggle, who has been hand-building guitars for decades for some of the biggest names in the business. Founded in 2002, Faith Guitars have been voted the UK's best acoustic guitars five times in a row by both the public and panels of music industry experts, so you can be confident in your new Faith Guitar. Like all quality acoustics, Faith Guitars are made of all solid tone wood, so you can be sure they'll start off sounding great and improve year on year. Faith don't use laminated woods, but you'll be pleased to know that despite the all solid tone woods, the superb specification and handmade construction, Faith Guitars are still affordable, with prices starting at around £450 or $600. US Discover the range at faithguitars.com and then visit one of the many UK or European retailers to try them for yourself. But hold up! If you're in the USA or Canada, you can buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and by using the coupon code NERDS at the checkout, you can get an exclusive 10% discount. So, in the UK and Europe, check out the guitars at your local dealer or faithguitars.com. But for North American listeners, Buy direct at faithguitarsusa.com and use the coupon code NERDS for a special 10% off at the checkout. That's USA coupon code NERDS at the checkout. Faith Guitars, award-winning acoustics, designed right here in the UK. One of the most popular Ernie Ball Music Man models, the John Petrucci Majesty, is being expanded with four brand new striking finishes. Now offered in Pink Sand, Red Phoenix, Smoked Pearl and Ember Glow, the 2020 Majesty features a lightweight Akume body, signature Damasio Rainmaker and Dreamcatcher pickups, and an onboard piezo bridge system that gives the guitar a focused and highly versatile versatile palette of tones. Head to music-man.com to learn more. That's music-man. Now, back to the show. I just, I think if you, you know, obviously I still, we, you know, the, the Blues Junior is, is it, or the Boss Katana is still kind of the two um, amplifiers of choice for guitar nerds, I guess. Um, but if you want, like, the best fender clean amp that you can possibly have then this for for a thousand pounds this combo is just absolutely completely unmatchable i'm i'm so utterly like blown away by it by just spending a couple of days with it i think it's a really really fantastic product so listener definitely worth your time if you want something clean and cool with loads of recording flexibility and home use flexibility this is an absolutely wonderful uh solution gentlemen Shall uh, shall we talk about some news? Should we do some news? Yes. Yes. Very well. News. News. First up, we are going to talk about um, uh, t- the new tuner. We're going to carry on talking about recording. We're going to uh, re- guitar recording, as I guess it's very topical at the moment with everyone being stuck in and recording at home. Let's talk about the two notes torpedo captor X. Um, which we're uh, you know we're lucky enough to have been uh, sent uh, this week. Obviously, uh, uh, 
two notes are advertising on the podcast at the moment, but the um, the two notes Captor X is an an absolutely fantastic solution for people who want to use their valve heads, their valve amps, and like whole live setups. It's the perfect cab replacement. So two notes obviously have done tons of um, you know home use preamps and uh, and and power amp style things and cab simulators in the past but the um the captor x is is kind of a, a culmination of of all of that in one it's a very it's a it's a very similar idea to the oxbox and the uh the what was the bus one called tube amp expander why do i always forget that and the tube amp <laughs> expander um what's cool about the torpedo captor x is that it is in a really pint-sized uh package so this is something you can fit right onto your desktop um, and then it works with either an app that you can have on your on your phone or tablet, or you can have the desktop software in order to expand your control of the unit. But um, you can also load individual presets into it, so it does work independently. Um, so I guess so. So essentially, explaining what the Captor X is is this is a load box, so you would run your real valve head straight into this, um, and you can use this as an attenuator. Uh, live or you know as a as a complete load box and then you can run that out there are several different ways that you can wire this up you can essentially for recording run that straight out into your interface and then using the software the torpedo remote you can then really hone that cab so you can choose from uh, you know a, a massive range of of cabinets that come built in there are also more cabinets that you can get on the on the two notes website that you can add um and it does some really cool things. So at all times, you've got like the option of you. You always have the option of having two cabs, which you can then control the stereo reverb for. There's a load of different mic choices. So you can choose mics. You can choose mic placement. Um, the stereo reverb is very, very nice as well. And then it also has the option of um, of doubling. Uh, so you can you can it's called their twin tracker so it's an automatic double tracker um, that creates uh, like a virtual guitarist so it varies the timing and the attack um, real time to kind of give you those subtle differences you would have by doubling up a riff it's really cool I don't don't need a virtual guitarist to have (laughs) someone there to vary the attack and the uh, I, I do that all by myself I was going to say, can it create a virtual guitarist that means I don't have to play? And it will be, <laughs> I mean, that will ultimately make my sound better if someone else just does it for me. Yes, that's, uh, that, that is, is almost definitely the case. But I, I really like everything about this product. I really liked the, the app. I really liked the way it was set up. I liked how much I could control. It was easy. You know, when I got this, I plugged in my Ashdown CTM uh 30 my little stubby so it's a 30 watt all valve base head and then you know ran that into the captor out into my interface and i could choose things like you remember those big old acoustic 360 cabs um yeah remember those mark yeah yeah yeah. yeah, had the big sort of sub bit yeah 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 the the bit i don't know what you call it but they they were uh you can you can use cabs like that and just being able to flick through mics that were mics that i knew as well which was great um and you know doubling obviously wasn't something i especially needed to use for bass but the the amount of tone shaping that you can do inside of the app was was very very useful 
and this thing is like 600 quid. I like the idea of the doubled bass. Or just a double bass. Just get a double bass. Yeah, just get a double bass. You don't even need yeah. this, mate. You don't even need an amp. Just get a double bass. They're really loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ex- ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, a, a really, really cool product. Um, yeah, it seems I, I like um, it's, it's reactive load as well, obviously, rather than just a load box. So it's uh, mimicking the actual um, impedance curve of, of a speaker, um, the sort of negative feedback between the speaker cable and the amp rather and responding as such rather than just a load box like um like one of the old marshall power brakes or or whatever so your amp responds like it's actually plugged into a speaker cab which makes a big difference um rather than just a standard um load box because it's the way that your amp responds being plugged into a speaker that makes it feel and sound the way it does. Um, and then it's obviously taking a tap out of that. Um, and then you can obviously go XLR out um, or you can go speaker out into a cab. I like the fact there's an attenuation switch. Uh, you can go between three levels of attenuation, 38 20 uh, or zero if you just want it exactly the same volume self if you're using it i don't know whether people would take this out live because they've obviously got some hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Racked versions that you potentially use live, I think maybe just in the studio, it's probably more people are going to use it but the fact that you can you can go down at that level is pretty handy um but yeah it seems like it's got some good options on it yeah um yeah i think it's a it's it's you know for for 600 pounds having this as a solution for people who don't want to use digital amps for home recording you know to have this ability to of course because this also means that you can now use your full rig for practice at home it has a headphones out as well so you can use those, the you know the the IRs coming out of your amp head straight into your ears, which I think is really handy as well. Just the fact that I could now have oh here's my full amp rig set up in the corner of my room with my full pedal board, and I can just I can plug in this 
Torpedo Captor X and then have a complete recording ability with my existing live rig is very good. And for people who don't like sort of digital screens and I appreciate it, there's a there's a lot of, you know, screens to go to to control it on the app and stuff, but people who don't like controlling their amplifier with digital screens. Um I think this is great. I really I I liked just being able to shape my sound by changing the controls on the front of my amp rather than hopping through the sort of the flipping and, 20 well, additional screens that every plugin and VST adds to every amp that they've imitated and, and things to be that honest, say stuff like sag. I don't care about that. I just <laughs> want a three band EQ and a gain control. And and I love that that it kind of puts the ability for me to control my sound like that back in my hands. To be honest, you're going to be looking at your phone anyway, so you might as well be looking at the app that gives you a better sound. Mm. Like, you're going to be playing guitar, you're going to be checking Twitter, you're going to be looking at Instagram. Why not just also have the controls on there? Easy. Yeah. And just being able to save your presets on there and even, like, things like being able to use it live as well, like running to front of house from it while still having your cab on stage so you can bring your presets which you know sound great to every gig and kind of control what's coming out of the front of house i think is uh is really cool really useful as well nice a very cool product um but yes next up jay cross why don't we talk about more guitar auctions i tell you what i bloody love a guitar auction um <laughs> one of my favorite discoveries of last year was when we stumbled across that uh that auction of who was it it was uh dave gilmore no not dave gilmore the one that i watched live uh i can't even remember who it was now but i watched it live and it was just absolutely fantastic it was so interesting watching all this stuff just just get sold and all the people that were involved in it and i, I just think it's bloody great that's how and auctions work generally stuff gets sold stuff gets sold people bid on it you know a little bit of this little bit of that it's, re- it's very you the cockney geezer <laughs> inside you <laughs> loves an auction come on Sorry, son the cockney geezer inside him yeah you know the the inner right. cockney geezer that he uh that jay possesses is uh it comes out when he looks at an auction yeah, he hides somewhere by the inner Mockney geezer, the outer Mockney geezer. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's really got the uh, the the front line here. But yes, um, we have seen a bunch of uh, high profile artists' signature guitars or like you know big popular guitars go up for auction recently. The Dave Gilmore one was big. Um, there's been a couple of Kurt Cobain ones over the last six or twelve months or so. This is arguably as big as any of those uh, in the um, one of Prince's most iconic guitars is going up for auction. Uh, so this is one of the uh, original 1984 cloud guitars. This is one of the blue ones. Um, so they uh, there was um, the first round of these. There was only four made of the very first round, and uh, they brought in the 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 article that I, that we were reading about it is absolutely fantastic. They they bring in the cloud guitar expert John Woodland. Uh, <laughs> so I was like. I recognise that name. Now, the cloud guitar expert John Woodland is, of course, John Woodland of Mastery Bridges fame. Uh, so he, like, designed the Mastery Bridge, I think. Wow. Um, 
But yeah, so they've got they've just got him listed in this article as cloud guitar expert, which I hope is what he's changed his uh, LinkedIn job title to. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically, this is one of the this is one of the ones that that Prince played more than uh, more than most, and it's uh, yeah, very very exciting to see it go up for auction. Um, one of the previous cloud guitars sold for seven hundred thousand dollars in uh, in two thousand and seventeen, and actually, I think the market has probably changed a fair amount since then. Um, this is uh, this is expected to sell for upwards of five hundred grand, but with uh, you know the Kurt Cobain guitar going for a lot of money, with those Dave Gilmore guitars going for a lot of money, with the Dave Gilmore cases going for a lot of money, I think that uh, things have changed significantly since two thousand and seventeen, and I reckon that this will go for quite a lot of maybe money. they've all run out of money though they're like oh man i bought all those david gilmore hard cases i can't afford the prince guitar now <laughs> you never know yeah but this so this one in particular um is uh was played on the 1984 purple rain tour uh they uh they reckon that it was played when he was on uh saturday night lot when prince was on saturday night live uh on the arsenio hall show so you know there's a lot of prestige behind this guitar and um i think it'll be exciting to see what happens you know this is just another one of these guitars that disappears into the realms of just unimaginable money um, can anyone can anyone bid? Yeah, yeah. So I could just go on and bid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you I are would... legally bound if you accidentally yes. put eight hundred thousand rather than eighty thousand or eighty or or eight should... quid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should should I drink a bottle of whiskey and go on to the auction website? Almost certainly not. Oh, that um, would be just awesome. reading the um the article about it. They think it's basically the it's the guitar. It's the Prince mm-hmm. guitar that will raise the most like in terms of the cloud guitars this is the one um so yeah that one that sold before for seven hundred thousand. this should beat that quite you would expect it would beat that even if it wasn't for the the kind of change in market uh conditions and the change in demand that there seems to have been recently for you know big iconic guitars it's um i, I was watching so where a lot of um obviously like big bands have been putting up like live concerts on their youtube channel and the prince have just put one up of them performing in a, around the uh purple rain tour and the band is just fantastic but you just sometimes you forget how good if you haven't listened to prince in a while just go back and listen to um like the the the, first, the his second record which is just prince stuff and how good the guitar playing is and how good yeah. the guitar sounds are mate i've got he, about, I've got about another machine. fifteen thousand beatles songs to listen to before i can listen to anything else <laughs> um and I sent it to you guys, um, but for everyone out there listening, if you have never seen it, go and watch the Prince live at the George Harrison tribute concert, where at the end he throws his guitar in the air and it literally disappears. It's, <laughs> yeah. just, it's, it's so like, good. It's the most it's amazing so clip good. ever. Like, I think his roadie is like hanging above the stage or something because he literally throw it and then he just walks off and the guitar never lands behind him that was one of his fantastic things was his ability to because he had a guy employed just to to catch his guitar so he you know he'd do it all the time at all of his shows um there are some wonderful live performances of prince uh doing that in in various different throwing it in various different directions like it 
every time he does it, it looks like something that you shouldn't be able to do in reality. And still he manages to flawlessly do it. And it's caught perfectly as well. Yeah. So uh... But um, just uh, obviously like amazing musician, amazing guitar player. Um, and just, he loved guitars. That's the other thing. He loved like gear and like guitars. I mean, he played some absolutely mad guitars. Um, loved boss pedals. What can I say? He Bloody did. best. He did. Only had it was everything on his board. I think back in the eighties, I think one of his pedal boards was just a crybaby and six boss pedals in a BCP six. You couldn't buy anything else though. That was the uh, that's the thing. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Yes. But yeah, I think um, I was was talking to um, my friend Vince, who I work with, who saw Prince at the Roundhouse. Said he played for like three hours until they were literally like you cannot play anymore um and he was like known legend like as a legend of just like playing a massive gig like three hours and then being like um right who's coming to the after party and then went off and did another two-hour gig at like a bar somewhere that's crazy he did that all the time because paisley park was a venue and he'd just go like right i'm throwing a gig tonight and then just like open the doors and people could come along it's just mad but yeah I think after every main when he did the O2 I think after every gig he then did another gig like in the evening at like till like three or four in the morning he just loved to play guitar imagine being in his backing band no you'd just be like oh man I really need a break has there been a documentary yet because like I don't really like Prince's music it just doesn't really jive with me you know it's like it's not my it's not the thing that I would listen to. Um, listen, if it's not something made post the Beatles in 1972 to 1976, I'm just not interested. I only listen to Beatles solo experimental noise albums now. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't. But it's one of those things where it's happened in the past to me where I've thought, oh, I don't really like this artist. I'm not really that fussed by it. And then I've watched a documentary about it. And I'm like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm kind of into it. And, you know, I feel that he has got an interesting enough story that probably a kind of, you know, prestige uh, documentary is going to be made about him. And it will be the sort of thing that will get me into it. Um, that's kind of how I got into like Bob Dylan and stuff. Didn't really like Just Bob watch Dylan. Just Purple Rain. Well, that's not a documentary though, is it? Yes. <laughs> that all really happened. But, uh, you know, if you've ever heard, uh, you know, anything about uh, Prince, particularly the the Kevin Smith uh, bit about it, uh, you know. The, apparently, there's like albums and albums and albums and stuff that have, have never been released, and music videos that have never been released. Um, so it'd be super interesting to see how they kind of use I, that in a documentary. Actually, it's funny you say that because I was um, on Discogs the other day, and I was like, I wonder what the most expensive record they've ever sold is, and it's actually a Prince record called the Black Album that he recorded. And then, like, apparently something weird happened in his life and he thought the album was cursed. So he pulled the record and they only printed 300 copies in Europe. Wow. Which were then instantly recalled and only a few copies actually survive. But it's never... that It never got officially released. He recorded the whole thing. It's all done. And it was, like, interpressing. And then something happened. He was like, nope. It's cursed. Wow. Yeah, so just reading about it now, yeah, there's only promotional copies that exist. Um, wow. That's it. Uh, I can't actually find a number, but yeah. yeah it you... went for $30,000 on Discogs. Wow. Sealed. I'm actually Outrage. surprised. So no one's even heard it because it's sealed. <laughs> Crack the seal on that one. <laughs> yeah, 100, 100 European promotional copies exist in circulation. 
Um, and that's it. Mad. Wow. We should. We could probably get one between us. Sure. Sure. Let's yeah, do get, it. Solid investment. That. Um, yeah, but that's. So. Um, but that's the thing. Yeah, I think he was. I, I'm sure I've seen some documentaries about like him recording, and the, I think his whole workstation was set up with like a microphone in the middle, so he never had like a vocal booth. He'd literally play guitar, like at the at you know the recording desk, and then he'd just be like, right now I'm going to just lay down some vocals, and he'd do it all from the studio desk. He wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go in like a vocal booth, and then like and yeah, apparently like hundreds and hundreds of hours of recordings in the vault which is what they've been like that was the whole thing after he died they were like who owns the recordings yeah like do the record company own it do his family own it they were trying to like break in and like basically find out how much music is in there so just i've just been doing a bit more reading on the black album so it is you can listen to it uh it's not like no one's ever heard it so what happened was it was essentially re-released um on tidal in 2016 so it is out there Ah, oh, I might have to go and listen to it then. But yeah, uh, the, I mean, the other thing that Wikipedia says is you know it has the uh, it has the information. Forty two thousand uh, dollars was one of those copies, and it's also cursed. It's cur- yeah. I mean, you can't listen to it because of it's cursed, obviously. <laughs> There's a Simpsons reference in there somewhere. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, moving on and background to guitars and coming over to you, Mark Packer. Hello there. Um, let's uh, talk about Paris. PRS guitars, Paul Reed Smith guitars. Um, so this has been, uh, this isn't Paris. news. I'm looking at the press release now and it was 24 days ago that this bit of news was released. It's, this has been sitting on our news list <laughs> for some time. And when you consider for that some time. this guitar is limited to 50 pieces uh, in Europe, um, there may not even be any left. Um, talking about the S2 Studio, um, which is a guitar, I think the PRS did a little while ago and have re-released it, like I said, in this limited run. Um, it is essentially the kind of PRS double cut shape, as you'd imagine, uh, the S2 series. So the American made, but not the kind of top tier, well, not even the top tier, but not the full American series as they're kind of affordable American guitars. Um, I really, really like the look of these. Um, the reason being that they're all kind of plain top. So you get a, like there's a white, a black, uh, kind of frost blue. I don't actually have the finish name so yeah frost blue yeah so you've got uh, yeah antique white black um frost blue there is also a sunburst oh it's a lovely sunburst. yeah it's a very tasteful tea exactly no flame top or anything like that so these are kind of like prs guitars for people that don't normally get along with the kind of prs traditional you know super glossy super sunbursty super flamey look um they're much more kind of subtle than that um they've got the trend bridge on there and the pickup choice uh, is very very interesting as well so you've got the starler uh, kind of open coil humbucker in the bridge, and then two what they call Type D single coils, essentially, you know, like the Diamond style single coil um, in the middle and the neck. Um, and what that does is it means that you've got seven like mini humbucker sized single coils. Uh, yeah, but yeah, very much that kind of Diamond uh, style pickup. Um, and what having those pickups in there, what it opens up is seven different pickup configurations because you've got the blade five way, uh, and then you've got a push pull for coil split 
on the bridge humbucker. So yeah, lots of different combinations. I guess that's, you know, one reason it's called the studio is because it's a huge range of tones in there. But yeah, overall, the takeaway is that, you know, if you're not normally into the look of PRS guitars and you're, you know, your thing is much more kind of vintage, much more subtle, actually, I think that you would get along very, very well with these. Um, so hopefully they've not sold out already. Hopefully there's, there's still some left. And if you're listening to this, you might uh, want to go and pick one up. The other news from PRS only came out a couple of days ago. Um, this is actually referring again to, well, actually to the acoustic line of guitars um, this time, the SE Parlor. Um, so this is basically PRS's kind of small body parlor kind of body size in the SE range, so it's affordable. I guess this is going head-to-head with things like, yeah, GS Mini or uh, some of the smaller Martins. Um, I actually don't have a price here. So I don't know. I, 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 you're going to hear it here first. These look amazing. Yeah, not These something are... that I expect you to say with PRS because you're not normally a huge PRS fan. These are lovely parlours, especially the plated black topped parlor Definitely. which they still give rosewood back and sides to so it's got that lovely yeah, really like nice. retro two-tone look i kind of wish it didn't have the the prs birds on the fretboard but i sort of think it works with an understated acoustic it has a sort of a more elvis call sort of thing to it rather than looking a bit blingy as i think it does sometimes on the electrics i actually even think the headstock works on an acoustic yeah, the um, um the, the the definitely the black one with the natural sides is the one that I would go for. Um they're all mahogany, uh, even the ones that have uh, that have got like the painted tops, there's obviously the natural mahogany version as well. Um and yeah, they look really nice. Uh, you know, for for me would it be my choice of a parlor? Probably not because you know, I want something that's a bit more kind of stripped back, but if you're looking for something that's a bit more PRS, I guess, um in this kind of space then this is definitely the guitar to go for price wise looks like 579 dollars um what so that for 400 quid they're oh. selling four in the uk oh, oh my well, there we goodness go. that is fantastic because you think at a price like that they're kind of the same price as the art and luthery parlors the canadian art and yeah. luthery parlors of which which i have and that that's kind um, of what i'm saying is that you know if you want to go down a different route to something like that because the, the art and luthery's and seagull and stuff like that are very much that kind of stripped back you know very um kind of thinner finish on there um absolutely. whereas these bring some of that kind of prs bling to the oh. um to the parlor space and uh yeah, I like it. Like you say, the, the the black one with the natural sides looks awesome. Absolutely gorgeous and a fantastic price point. And, of course, you know, parlor acoustics, easily and happily the coolest um, size, body shape acoustic. Uh, yeah, they are very cool. Um um, who who? Someone's adding notes, but not specifying oh, who they me. are. Sorry, Is that, that you? Was me. So, uh, well, let's pass across to you, Jay Cross, because you've got something you want to talk about. Yes. So, uh, I can't believe I didn't include this right at the start, but um, something very exciting that uh, completely caught me blindsided this week was the announcement of the new book uh, by. Um, Robert Johnson's stepsister, uh, whose name is Annie Anderson. Uh, So she is in her 90s now, and she has just written a, um, a, 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 like, 
a book, some memoirs about growing up with Robert Johnson as her brother. And um, that's, you know, cool in itself. And I I would be into that and I would buy that book and I'd read it and I'd love it anyway. um, But what's more incredible about it is, and I... I, I cannot tell you how excited I was and how dumbfounded I was when I first saw this. I, I, I literally stood up and just like, I just, I yelled like what, I, I can't say what I yelled on the podcast, but let's just say my girlfriend was very concerned for a moment and then I showed her <laughs> this and she didn't care, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> Annie Anderson, stepsister of Robert Johnson, has just been sitting on a picture an unseen picture of robert johnson for the last like 80 years basically now that this is important because for for a couple of reasons one robert johnson is one of these kind of you know mythical figures he is uh a true guitar icon and a real cornerstone of modern music you know he was making blues music in a way that not really people had done before to the proficiency in which he was doing it and there's only ever been two photos of him that have ever been verified of him there's one of him in a uh like a photo booth uh smoking a cigarette and there's another one of him wearing a pinstripe suit in the corner of a room playing guitar and his hands just look absolutely enormous and it's it's incredible (laughs) and Annie Anderson has just been sitting, and I absolutely love this, she's just been sitting on this photo of him for 80 years, despite the fact that she knows that there's only two photos of him that ever, anyone's ever seen. She's just like, oh yeah, I've got one, but you know, it's fine. It's my brother, I'm just going to keep it, it's fine. It's just for me to look at. Um, but this new picture of him, it's just, it's incredible. So it looks like it's from the same photo shoot as uh the photo of him sat in the in the booth smoking a cigarette but you just see this completely other side of him he's smiling he uh is like he's looking straight into the camera it's so emotive and you just see this kind of friendly side to him that like maybe people haven't experienced before and um i mean i i absolutely love the delta blues stuff i'm i'm i I just think all of that music is is so raw and emotional and just as well as that is it's such an impressive thing to think about in terms of what was going on there politically and socially and just what it did in terms of moving music forward uh in a way that you know really hadn't happened before ever um and uh i i just think that the delta blues is 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 such an important era of music and robert johnson is far and away the you know the the leading figure of that era and that style of music and for there to be this this new picture of him which i realize sounds a bit like daft that we're i'm making such a big deal of this but it is a big deal i think it's incredible and uh and and yeah it's really exciting and i'm I'm really looking forward to ordering the uh to buying the book and i I think everyone should uh everyone should check it out but yeah like i'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast is aware of robert johnson but that he recorded fewer than i think it's 27 songs he recorded and uh they're just they laid the groundwork for what became blues music for a hundred years to come. And it's, uh, it's, it's really uh, just an incredible story. 
Yeah, yeah I was very um, cool indeed. When uh, when that news story came out, I was reading. Um, just went on the Wikipedia page, and it led to a guy called Don Law, who um, was the guy that recorded both those recording sessions. Okay. Um, who's who's from the UK, and he ended up. He was uh, part of Columbia Records' uh, country music division. He headed up their country music division in the end. And yeah, he w- he produced Robert Johnson's only recording sessions. Um, but it's just amazing. You think of the recording technology um, and everything then and just, yeah, capturing those songs that, you know, I mean, I think Don Law passed away in the 80s. But at that point, he was the only person who'd ever sat in those recording sessions yeah. and yeah, heard and- him play guitar at that point. You know, it's mad that there's probably very unlikely apart from obviously his stepsister that's alive that ever saw him play guitar yeah yeah totally totally and you know he was uh, he was kind of a, a younger person involved in that scene like there's there's talks about charlie Patton who uh you know saw him play and sun house who saw him play and and uh sun house has got this. so the story about robert johnson is where you get this this idea of selling your soul to the de- selling your soul to the devil um that's where that the, the whole idea of the crossroads came from is is all about this legend of robert johnson and a lot of that comes from sun house who's this other incredible delta musician from the uh, from the same era who um and Sunhouse is an incredible character within himself in that he uh i'm struggling to remember which way around it is my understanding is that he claimed he was too young to fight in world war one and too old to fight in world war two um so he didn't fight in either of the wars uh and like neither of like those things aren't mathematically possible there's no way that he could have been too young to do one and too old to do the other I can't remember which way around it is, but it's like he he in himself is a, is like a really cool, weird character. But he uh, is the one who re- reportedly spread this rumour that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil in that he saw him play guitar once and he was terrible. And then he saw him a couple of weeks later and he was amazing. When actually people have pieced it together, it was probably more like four or five years in between those two occurrences of him seeing robert johnson play guitar um but uh yeah like that the whole era is really interesting and and actually i i didn't know about um what did you say don law don law yeah so i don't know about that but a really interesting story is um about uh alan and john lomax who um were uh, a father and son who spent a lot of time in the Delta in that era in the in the like uh, late twenties and thirties and um, and beyond and recorded a lot of these um, musicians. So basically, everything that Lead Belly did was recorded by John and Alan Lomax. Um, and actually, a lot of his recordings are from when he was incarcerated because uh, Lead Belly spent a lot of time in prison, both for uh, murder and also attempted murder. And, uh, you know, he and another like very interesting and crazy character. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a lot of uh, they've got a, a lot of um, their reputation is built off of finding Robert Johnson and uh, a, a lot of the, uh, the some of the later musicians, like Woody Guthrie and, and Pete Seeger and people like that. And it's it, they're just there are a couple of people involved in this that. Had they not been going and doing this thing, which probably didn't make 
the record companies a huge amount of money we just would never have known about like you know we know about robert johnson we know about memphis mini and lead belly and we know about um sunhouse and charlie Patton and people like that but there must be just so many other musicians that we just didn't know about because they were just born at a time when recording just was not possible Can, um, is it a, I'm, I'm assuming they do but there must be 78s left that you can buy of robert johnson i'm sure they're probably rare i wouldn't have thought well i mean yeah sure there's probably originals somewhere uh i i i absolutely have i, I actually have no idea uh but yeah I, w- I would have thought that that stuff is available if you've if you've got deep enough pockets but they probably I, they probably didn't press that many you know it's it, it wasn't uh it wasn't a big money spinner not really like the 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 i don't think anybody really started making any money out of it until um people moved up to chicago and started using electric guitars one went on ebay a test pressing um for 711 dollars that sounds um, like that really doesn't sound like a lot of money considering who it is you know yeah, yeah. I was yeah, um, I was actually just uh, reading about his guitar um, because yeah. obviously the famous there's the famous picture of him with the cigarette and guitar. Um, they reckon it was a because um, obviously people have said it's a Gibson L1. Yeah, that's what um, his signature his signature Gibson ended up being. Yes, and then but they're also saying that uh, yeah there was the guitar is holding in a photo where he has a cigarette in his mouth is also believed to be a Gibson Kalamazoo KG14 which some believed um was the one that he used in the recording sessions which was a budget brand that originally cost $12.50 fantastic in 1936 which he eventually lost apparently uh, or was broken during an arrest um, Yeah well, well I mean you know the 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 sad thing about Robert Johnson is he you know he died so he another another just like great little fact about him is he he died age 27 so he was one of like the original 27 club um i mean maybe that's not a great fact about him but you know it's it's <laughs> it's a it's an interesting it adds to the legend um but you know he he never made any money he died he died he died penniless and and yeah, very very sad end um but there's there's a good documentary on on netflix that uh that is worth a watch if you're not familiar with the story um yeah it's 30 minutes long it's, it's you know an easy watch and it's very very good and he, i think he's got his, is it got his daughter in or i think it's or his grandson or something there's there is a relative of of some of some sort involved i can't remember um but yeah i i i, I love robert johnson i think the the whole mystery around that era is amazing and uh yeah just a a true um a true cornerstone of what we do um and yeah he he will be forever regarded as the absolute best for me yeah Yeah. very cool indeed now we are drawing towards the end of this week's free episode of the guitar nerds podcast you can of course listen to uh an entire extra episode uh over on our patreon site patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds um, this week on Patreon, as we mentioned at the start, Mark is starting his new podcast series, Gear There and Everywhere, where he's going to be telling stories all about Beatles gear through the ages over the next four weeks, is it, Mark? Yeah, four episodes. 
four episodes, which uh, which is very lovely. And to become a Patreon supporter, it costs only a dollar a month. Um, a dollar will get you the this episode ad-free and early every week. At the $5 tier, you can enjoy an entire extra episode every week. Plus, you get access to our entire back catalogue of now 500 on the nose. Well, this this episode, when it comes out, makes it 501. Um at the time that you're listening to this 501 episodes on the nose of uh, of back catalogue um, which include everything from the uh, the barcord series the Friday specials gear of the decade it's all on there and at the $10 tier you can become an executive producer and enjoy all those benefits plus the prestigious honour of having your name featured in our podcast outro song you can follow us on all the major social platforms with at Katanas, but of course do join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Katanas forum currently being advertised on Facebook by Facebook as the place to go for guitar fanatics. So, um, so do join us there. Um, thanks very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye. I love you. Welcome to the 267th episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matthew Knight. Tammy! Mark Packham. 267 is too much. And Jay Cross. 69, dudes! Yes, absolutely. 67, dudes! Hmm. 
Oh, um, uh, you didn't do that. You, why did you do the no, intro in English? I, I actually just totally. I am going to start this again, guys, because I have been sent one. So oh, amazing! I'm, I'm actually going to do it. Keep this bit in, though. Keep this bit. In. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I might put this bit in at the end or something after the credits or something. Anyway, I'm going to start it again and do it. Okay. Okay. Chech, chech, with our itcher, now nerds. Just empire agnim gospod. At Chem Joe Branton, I doyen chayum do my yeah. Matt Knight, Mark Packham, I J Cross. Right, okay, that's what I'm doing. All right. Okay. What, what, what language is, is this? That is Polish. Um, okay, and nice. Andrew Bimson's girlfriend is Polish. Nice. And uh, uh, he sent it to me, and uh, he's and then he sent it again phonetically, so that I didn't have to go. In. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good. Nice. nice. Um, so yeah. So let's. Um, <clears throat> uh, okay. So let's. Uh, right. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 